Lord, you came in our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you fulfilled the whole law for us. And because of that, we are counted to be the offspring of Abraham, the inheritors of your promises. So as we celebrate Christmas and as we live at our lives, let us do so with thanksgiving that all that has needed to be done has been done by our Savior Jesus. And we are now considered children and our names are written in the book of life. So let us live lives rejoicing in that truth, living according to your will and sharing your love with all the people that we meet. Bless us now in this hour as we study your word. Give us your Holy Spirit that what we say and do and think might be according to your will and that these words of John might show us our Savior Jesus in his name. Amen. Okay, so um, we had a question about today's epistle reading. So if you go in your Bibles to Galatians chapter, what is what was the epistle reading? Wow, very good. Galatians 3. Very good. Galatians 3. Okay, so Galatians. Where's Galatians? It's a book of Paul. It's in the New Testament. So books of Paul. The first one is Romans. Then you go Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Galatians. Ooh, it's right there. Okay, it's the fourth book of Paul. If you go for books, if you go to books that are named for people... You either haven't gone far enough or you've gone too far. Right? In the New Testament, we have books that are named for people. We have the four Gospels. They're named for the people who wrote them. And then the names of the the books in Paul's writings that are named for people are the people who received the letters, which is really confusing. So 1st and 2nd Timothy was not written by Timothy. It was written by Paul to Timothy. And Titus was not written by Titus. It was written by Paul to Titus. But then you run into the next section of the Bible, which is Hebrews and then James and 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Jude. They are not the people who received them, but the people who wrote them. Isn't that confusing? Mm-hmm. I didn't do all this. This is not my fault. You can't blame me for this. Is it because it's just the way it is. There's so many of them? Right. So Paul's letters is a little section in and of itself. There's thir- 13 no, like, of them. Are they not named for him because of their the number of them? Because like, we only well, have one mark. Yeah, so you just have Paul, 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 Paul. Like, right. open to Paul 12. Right. You know, yeah. That doesn't work at all. So we just went with the, the people who received his letters. Okay, so Galatians chapter 3. And what was it? We started at verse 23. <coughs> 23, yeah. And so it goes like this. Roger, why don't you read that for us? Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law. Imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came Okay, good. Thank you. What was your question? Well, just like kind of have it right in my head, but uh-huh. kind of mixed up too. Just, yeah. It, Welcome to theology. We're interchanging, I guess, the word faith with Christ. Yeah, kind of. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Faith, it says faith came with Christ. Mm-hmm. There was faith before Christ. Yes. We, All mankind has been under the law before Christ. Well, I mean, the law is our guardian. Yeah. To sh- 
to show us our sinfulness, I guess I'd say. And, okay. And our need for a Savior. Yeah. But the promise was given to Abraham that he believed in, he had faith, but it kind of seems like here it's saying faith isn't here yet. So it's just kind of <laughs> just all this mixed up Okay, good. That's exactly right. So, Galatians is, this is Galatians very quickly. Here's the point of Galatians. Galatians is written to the church in Galatia. Galatia. Isn't that cool? You guys are so smart. And here's the problem. The Galatians are thinking, you know, um, all this faith in Christ stuff is good, but we think we might need to add to it observations of the Jewish law. Okay, and the first, the two things you think of when you think of the Mosaic law, the law law of Moses, the two ways you keep that is food laws, so dietary restrictions, and circumcision, which we had today, the circumcision of Jesus. Did the gospel reading wear you out? (laughs) He opens up to read the gospel, he's all ready, and there's like one verse. <laughs> it's like it's barely even worth getting up here. All right, so we had today with circumcision of Jesus. Why was Jesus circumcised? To, to keep the law. Okay, so this is actually important to this Galatians reading. Jesus was circumcised to keep the law of Moses. Okay, so the Galatians are thinking the faith in Christ is cool, but we might need to keep Moses' laws in order to qualify for faith in Jesus. Okay, so now the Galatians are being taught and apparently believing that Jesus is nice, but you have to have the Mosaic law also in order to be saved. As a matter of fact, if you want to be saved, you have to be a child of Abraham. Okay, so you have to be, in in order to be an heir of God, you have to be a child of Abraham. Why? Why? Why does Abraham matter? The promises. Because through Abraham are the promises that created the people of God. There is no Israel without Abraham. Yeah? If you go back and read the Old Testament, Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of God, is the result of God's promises to Abraham. Okay? So if you want to be included in God's people, you got to be a child of Abraham. Well, how do you get to be a child of Abraham if you weren't born into Abraham? Circumcision. And food laws. And so the, the, the Galatians are saying, oh, we want to be children of Abraham because Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises given to Abraham. So if we want to be in God's family, we've got to become children of Abraham. How do you do that? Answer, you got to keep the Mosaic law. You got to be circumcised. Right? And you got to eat certain foods. So Paul is writing this to say, good try, but no. That's not exactly correct. Okay? He's like, yes, all this is true from the Old Testament, but this isn't actually how you're saved. As a matter of fact, it really was never how you're saved. So if you look at Galatians chapter 2, verse, I think it's 15 or 16. Yeah, let's do 15 and 16. Galatians 2, 15 and 16. This is really important. 
This is Peter and Paul having a little argument, which is fun. Paul says to Peter, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentiles, sinners, right? So he's not talking about Gentiles. He's talking about people who are Jews, who are by lineage attached to Abraham. What does he say? Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. So even Jews are not justified by works of the law, let alone Gentiles. Even the Jews who are born into the laws of Moses, who are circumcised, who are eating the food laws, even they are not saved by works of the law. They're not saved by those things. How are they saved? Through faith in Jesus Christ. So here's here's his argument. If if Jews who are the people of God who have circumcision or have food laws and have the laws of Moses, how are they saved? (coughs) Through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? So, if you are a Gentile and you want to be saved and salvation is from the Jews, then how are you saved? Jesus Christ. Exactly the same way. That's the whole book of Galatians. And he just says it five times. Or six. He just says it over and over. Because this is his whole point. He's like, oh, you think it's so cool being a Jew that you want to do whatever it takes to become a real Jew? Well, do this. Believe in Jesus. Right? So, Roger, then you come to Galatians chapter 3, and what's his argument there? This is what he's getting at. He's saying, now, 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 now temporally speaking, there was a time before Jesus came. And what did God give us to get us from the promises of Abraham to Jesus coming as Messiah? What did he give us? The law. He gave us the law to continue to point us back to God and his promises of a Savior that would come. Right? And he did it to show us his grace and his mercy and to say, here's the way I'm relating to you. And here's how you show the world that you're part of my people. You circumcise. You have food laws. Right? You don't worship any other gods, right? That's how you show that you're my people. Were they saved by that law? No. They were saved by faith in the coming Christ. His name is Jesus. So they were saved by faith in Jesus Christ. So he's saying, now that that Christ has come, you don't need the guardian that got us to Jesus because now we have... Jesus himself. So what's the role of circumcision? It's gone. It no longer has a purpose. It was given to get you to this point. Now we're at that point. You don't need this anymore. Right? I just thought of this and I'm and I, I'm not going to say it out loud because it's too crass. Matt. No, uh, okay. I'm, I'm worried about what she's going to say. Yeah, right. So in Romans, his argument is that the role of the law was actually to show us how sinful we actually are. 
It actually increased it because then all of a sudden I wasn't going to be coveting and these that don't cover. And I went, well, what's this coveting all about? I got to try that. <laughs> you shouldn't covet your neighbor's ox. Wait, my neighbor has an ox <laughs> and I should want it? This is, this is amazing. I mean, that's actually what Paul says, is that when the law came and said, don't, the first thing I thought was, well, I want to do that. You ever had teenagers? <laughs> Were you ever a teenager? Yeah. Well, don't do this. Okay. i got to figure out how to do that. It's got to be fun if I'm not allowed to do it. That's what our sinful nature does. If I'm told no, that's because it's really fun and there's a killjoy. What if I actually don't want you to get killed? Right? So the law increased sin. It actually made us want to sin more. Which is true, by the way. It's still true today. Just say don't run. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if we, uh, if the law of circumcision and the food laws were taken away when Jesus came, or, you know, not necessary, why are the other laws, I mean, why are we still expected to keep the other laws? Okay, nope, nobody leave. <laughs> What's the right answer? You're not. You're not, You're not under. No, uh-uh. You are not under any law. But what about where he says... Uh, uh, Go ahead. I'm not going to say this. No, that's okay. Go ahead. We shouldn't sin more so the grace right. will abound. Right. But Don't sin. Right. But you're not under any law. So you're not under the law, but you're still supposed... It's not still, supposed to. But it's still good for you. Uh-huh. It's good for you to do what? <coughs> to live according to the will of the one who saves you. Right. Is it good to live under sin? No, because that kills you. What about this God who saves you eternally? Is it good to live according to his will? Yeah. Yes. Are you under a law? No. 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 But why, don't, why, why then do people not keep the food laws anymore, try to, or, you know, live yeah. under that, and, but we still hold the commandments so high, but not the food laws or circumcision? Like, don't, don't say we, because I don't hold the commandments that high. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. We don't good. Right, you don't. You don't. That's... <laughs> Seriously? We could we we hold the food laws of pizza and <laughs> Yeah, exact that's exactly right. What are we picking and choosing? Right. Well that's what it kinda see and that's what you get on the internet. It's people like, well, it says you can't wear clothing or mixed fibers in the old testament. Therefore and you go, what are you talking about? And you look at it and it's there. The same book that says thou shalt not also says you can't cook a goat in its mother's milk. And you go, I've never faced that temptation. <laughs> I, I'm good with that one. You know, I'm, I'm pretty okay with Why doesn't that be my confirmation test? Have you ever co cooked a goat in its mother's milk? I'm good. I'm qualified to be a pastor. You know, whatever. It, it, that's the problem. They're picking and choosing. You know that if if, a, if your cow wanders into your neighbor's field and mauls your neighbor, yeah. you're held responsible. But if it happens at night, yeah, you're good. <laughs> you're responsible because you could have seen it. You could have stopped it. You were sleeping. It's not your fault. That's in the Old Testament. If you move your neighbor's boundary marker and people find out, Baldwin will come, you know. There's, you have to make retribution. It's in the Old Testament. 
So how do we pick which one of these laws to follow, which one's not? Well, guess what? We don't. You're not under any of them. None of them apply to you. Zero. Not one. Food laws, the cultic laws, the moral laws, they're all fulfilled in Christ. Every single one of them. You're not under the law. Galatians chapter 3. The law was simply a guide to get you to Christ. Now you are in Christ. You are no longer under the law. Not He didn't say you're no longer under those weird laws. He just said you're no longer under the law. So guess what Moses has to do with you? Nothing. The law of Moses and you? Nothing. It's all fulfilled in Christ. So sin is a requirement to be saved. Wait, what? <laughs> you said we required. Sin was. Did you say sin? Well, no, it's not like it's not like God saying, "Well, I'd like to save you. Got to sin some more." No, it's saying that 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 sin is what what sin is the reason that Christ came to save. It's not that you've got to sin to be saved. It's that sin exists, therefore salvation. <laughs> It's not like, hey, go sin. I'm helping God. Okay, so. No, that's right. So, okay. So now, don't don't leave. Did you all did you all memorize the Ten Commandments in in the small catechism? Yeah. Is that good? Yes, but you're not under the law, right? But it's a guideline of how we should live. Why? Because Christ wants it that way. Because you want to live according to His will. God's will. Well, how do you know what God's will is? The law. I don't know. Well, it's kind of hard to figure out. So what do you do? You say, well, guess what? We have 10 summary statements that help you understand how to live according to God's will. And that's what they are. They're, they're not laws anymore. They are Summary statements. Have you ever read Luther's explanations of them? He does not treat them as laws. The, the third law goes like this. Thou shalt remember... It's, it's better if you say it in King James. It sounds, it sounds more bible <laughs> Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Luther's explanation. We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching or His Word, but hold it sacred and gladly... He never mentions Sabbath, day, or holy in his explanation of the third (laughs) commandment. Why? Because he's not reading it as law, but instead a reflection of God's will. He's saying, in this law, what we have is a revelation that God desires for us to be in his word. So it's not only Sunday? Right, it's not just Sunday, because guess what the Sabbath day is? Every day. Every day that you... Yeah, it's, it's technically Saturday was the Sabbath, but that's now in Christ. Guess what? Every day you're in Christ is a day to rest. It's a day to rest. Why? Because you don't have to work to earn God's favor. That's what we're going to do in John 6, if we ever do. We're not going to get there. But <laughs> the, the labor that we have to do has been done. It's been completed by Jesus. So guess what? Today... You get to rest. You walk into church this morning. I heard, I heard a lot of you say it because I said it too. 
and you say, God, I got nothing. I got nothing to offer but my sin. I've sinned in thought, word, deed. Things I've done, things I've left undone. I don't love a neighbor. I don't love God. Horrendous. <coughs> and pastor said, all right. You have to go clean the school. And then we'll see if you get forgiveness or not. No, what do we say? It's just the mercy of God in Christ. And because of that, do something about this. And, and, the, and God says, you are forgiven. No work done because the work has been accomplished by Christ. Today is your day of rest. Rest in Christ. See, we don't read it as law. We now read it as revelation of God's will for how we live. And read the book of, Le of Leviticus and all these strange rules. Like, what is going on here? And what is God trying to teach us how to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor. That's it. That's the will of God for you. And they go, well, how do I do that? And he goes, well, don't have other gods before me. Why? Because they don't save you. I'm the only God who saves you. So why would you worship other gods? That makes no sense. They'll kill you. Don't do that. Right? What do you do with your tongue? Do you curse, swear, lie? Use satanic arts? Deceive? Is that what you do? No. Instead, the name of God is on your lips so that you can pray, praise, give thanks. What if you saw your tongue as something that God owns and every word you speak is supposed to serve God and love? Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up the brethren. Ephesians 4.29. Okay? And what happens is, yeah, it's hard to hold a marker and do hand gestures. Um, <laughs> PhD level. Um, <laughs> uh, when, <laughs> but this is what we do with the Ten Commandments. They're not laws. They are the revelation of God's will for how we live. Right? Does that make sense? Because you're not under the law. It's been fulfilled in Christ for you. But now you live how? According to God's will. Because he's the one who gives you life. You want to live in his will because it's life-giving will. And if you don't like that, here's the deal. He's God and you're not. It's his world. He gets to make the rules. And you don't get a say in it. How's that? We need a little bit more of that in our world today, don't we? There's a God and you're not him. And you don't get to tell him what to do. He gets to tell you what to do. And you don't have to like it or not. It's just life. Right? I have a petition and God, I don't like the time you rose they made the sun come up today. I'm in charge of that tomorrow, so I'll be getting up early and making sure you Oh wait, I have nothing to do with that. I, I can pretend. I can even decide I don't want to believe in God, but guess what? He still exists. And he's still gonna do what he wants. It's not worried about what I believe or don't believe or what I think or don't think. He's God. And that means that he's God. Does that make sense? So, Roger. Now we got all that out of the way. What he's, what he's saying is the law did its job of getting us to, to the one who is a fulfillment of Abraham's faith back in the Old Testament. So between Abraham and Jesus, 
Mosaic law, right? And now that Jesus has come as a fulfillment of this law, now we have the same faith that Abraham had because the law kept us in it, right? And so the whole point is that Gentiles and Jews alike are joined by faith in Jesus Christ to be children of Abraham. You want to be included in God's promises? It's in faith in Jesus Christ, which who is the same one in whom Abraham believed. Remember, back in Genesis when he did this, Abraham believed God's promises and counted him as righteousness. Well, the same faith is in you. The Holy Spirit says, believe in this Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promises. Abraham was told, believe that I will keep my promises one day in your seed. And when he believed that promise from Yahweh, it was counted to him as righteousness. When you believe that promise of Yahweh, it is counted to you as righteousness. And you are a child of Abraham and you get everything promised to him. Now, how do you know if you are actually in that promise and a child of Abraham and all this stuff is yours? How do you know that? Christ died. Yeah, Christ died for you. But how do you know that applies to you? What's that? Baptism. Baptism. For as many of you have been baptized in Christ have put on Christ. That's the text. Right? So, 27. For as many of you who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So everything that Jesus has accomplished has been given to you. Don't look to the law to see if it's yours. Don't even look to Abraham to see if it's yours. Look to Christ. And the fact that you are baptized into him means that it's been given to you. Don't need to doubt it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I hope at all? Yeah, definitely. Uh, question. So the law was given only for God's people. Yes. Correct? Yes. Christ fulfilled the law. Only for? Only for his people. Good. Okay. So, so condemnation is just through rejection, not having faith in Christ? Because there's no... Yes. That's right. Condemnation is through... Oh, boy. There's no law for... Gentiles. Gentiles. For unbelievers. Right. Well, there's no gospel for unbelievers. There's only law. But it's not necessarily going to be defined through the law of Moses. It's actually what Paul refers to in Romans 1 and 2 as the law of nature or the law written on our hearts. That even Gentiles who don't have the law of Moses, they're still sinning against God when they do what they want to do and not what God wants to do. Okay? So even if you say, well, I'm not under Moses' law, therefore I can't sin against it. He goes, yeah, you're right. You're not sinning against Moses' law. That's fine. But you're still sinning against God. Okay? And this is kind of what we got in our world today. People say, well, I'm just choosing to not believe in God. Therefore, he doesn't apply to me. (coughs) So all your religious stuff, this doesn't apply to me. And you go, well, that's nice. But you're still sinning against your creator. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you make up. It doesn't matter how much you remove yourself. You are still standing before the almighty, eternal God. And you've got to answer for yourself. And if you've ever done anything against his will, guess what? You're in trouble. Well, I don't even believe in him. How can I have gone to his will? Well, right there's a problem. 
right? I mean, this is the law, people, is that God is almighty. He doesn't care about your opinion. He doesn't care about how smart we've become and how he figured all this out. He's not going, well, I was going to be, you know, eternally true, but you guys have decided there isn't truth. So, whatever. That's not how God is. This is the almighty, eternal, unchangeable God that every human will stand before on the last day. And the last day for him is no different than the first day. So it's not like in these thousands of years, God has been revising his rules and going, well, that was a dumb old law. I should change that one. No, the God who gave us the truth in the beginning is the same God who will come back on the last day. And for him, a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. So this ain't no big deal, this progression of time that we're so impressed with. No. God is almighty. He's eternal. He's unchangeable. He's true. Every single human whether they believe it or not, will stand before this God on Judgment Day. And there will be one thing that saves and one thing only. Who is that? Jesus. And if you are in Christ, what happens? You're saved. If you're outside of Christ, what happens? You will remain outside for all of eternity. Right? That's what the scriptures present to us. And that's our confession. So what Galatians 3 is saying is, if you want to be in God's kingdom, it's not by keeping laws or being circumcised or eating certain foods. It's faith in Jesus. Now here's the scandal of the whole thing. He came to his own people, the Jewish people, but his own people rejected him. But to anybody who believes in him, anybody, you get that? You get that word? Not just the Jewish people. Anybody who believes in him, he gives the power to become the children of God. Not born of a husband's decision or human will or by blood, but by the will of God. See, what the cross does is it eliminates the barrier of ethnicity when it comes to our standing before God. It doesn't matter if your lineage goes back to Abraham or not. If you believe in this Jesus, who are you? You're a child of God. No other questions asked. No other qualifications needed. Faith in Christ. That's it. That's it. Matt, you a big old sinner? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. You believe in Jesus? Yeah. So what are you? Same. Child of God. Your wife there, is she a bigger sinner as you are? Worse. Worse? <laughs> she believe in Jesus? Yeah. yeah. So what is she? Child of God. Our seminarian over there looking all nice and sitting in his pastor shirt. He's not as big a sinner as the rest of us, I'm sure of it, right? He believes in Jesus, so what is he? 
See, it doesn't matter how much sin you got or how little sin you got. God's not impressed, nor is he disappointed. He sent his son to save you. And if, if you are in Christ, then you are a child of God. You don't look here. You don't look at yourself and say, am I qualified? Am I doing? Am I? Who cares? Get over yourself. Put all of your faith in Christ and say, in him alone, my entire eternity is, is right here in Christ. That's my hope. That's my joy. That's my faith. That's Galatians 3. Does that, does that help? Okay. I know it's all clear now. No one has any questions. Michelle, go ahead. I'm trying to take them in order. No offense. And Robin's still waiting. Okay, good. So what if, what if there's still those doubts that come in? Wait, you have doubts? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, you got to go. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm like anybody else. Or, but I have doubts on a probably daily basis. Anybody here at some point in the last week not believe in Jesus? <clears throat> well, at that moment, were you saved or not? I believe that I cannot by my own believe in or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me. For those of you who raised your hand earlier but not believing in Jesus, was the Holy Spirit still alive and active at that time? Yes. So in what state were you? Saved. Because you don't even judge your faith by how much you believe. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. That's right. So you say, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Because in this life, there are going to be days when it all makes total sense and life is going good or life is going bad and you know you need Jesus and he's right there for you. You're like, yes, I believe on this. The next day you wake up and you go, really? I don't know. I saw a t-shirt that said polytheism because you might as well believe in lots of made up deities in the sky. See, our world loves unbelief. They love poking fun at, at this belief and this made-up thing in the sky. And there are times that our brains go, what if it is all made up? What if I am alone in all this? What if this is just a waste of my time? What if it is just an old book written by guys trying to defend what they were trying to die for for some reason? I just don't understand that part. But what if it is? And our, and our brains get going and our, and our, we read stuff on the internet and we see stuff on TV or wherever it is or our own sinful nature just says, what, is, what right does God have to tell you what to do? I'm, I'm the God of my life. Or maybe God just has plain disappointed you. You said, sign me up, New Year's resolution, reading the Bible, I'm all in. And then when you got, need God the most, what happens? It doesn't work. You're the one that gets sick. You're the one whose life has fallen apart. You're the one who's, who was sinned against, not even your fault. And you say, well, why didn't God protect me? Where was God? I've prayed, I've read, I've gotten a Bible class, I've even pretended to listen, all that kind of stuff, right? Laughed at his jokes. Well, even laughed at his jokes. Doesn't that get me something? And then God just doesn't do anything. He doesn't come through. Christmas Day, the Christians beheaded. 
Yeah, what is going on? God didn't even get up early on Christmas morning? Are you kidding me? So we have to pretend. We have to make things up and say, well, they were blessed in being martyrs because that makes us feel better. And you go, it's just kind of all silly. Yeah, I know. I hear you. But your faith is not even based on your ability to comprehend it or make it make sense or even to believe it every day. But it's the Holy Spirit who continues to come through to you through his word, through his sacrament. And he continues to give you the faith that you don't have to keep you in Christ until the day when you stand before him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And you go, who, me? <laughs> Lord, when, when did I? When, when did I? When was I faithful? And he goes, oh, you didn't see it because it wasn't you doing it. It was me working through you. So dear saints, rest. Rest in the promises of God kept for you in Christ Jesus. The one who became flesh and died on a cross to conquer sin and death will not forsake you today just because you go through a period of doubt. Right? He's not going to turn his back on you just because you can't quite get yourself to believe it today. That's okay. What do you do when you don't believe it? You read the word. You come to church. You get together with other Christians. And you look at them and you say, I don't believe in this Christianity stuff. And they say, it's okay. You're still one of us. Run to your baptism. What happened? God said, you are mine. And you can fight against that all you want. He's going to say, guess what? Still mine. Still love you. Still have your sins forgiven. Still eternally a child of God. Promises made. Promises kept. Promises made. Promises kept. You don't need to doubt it. And if you do, still promises made. Promises kept. Salvation yours. Susan. I tried to sing the last ten with my children with my wedding. Uh-huh. And I could. That's okay. I crying. Yeah. I mean, it... It's a fantastic hymn, isn't it? Really well written. There's even a, a verse in there we don't sing. Because it's written for weddings. I figure yeah. I'm going to uh, tear this out. Yeah. I'm going to sing it before I go to bed. Or just steal a hymnal. We have a bunch. Of, we never use them anyway. We never use them. You might as well take one. <laughs> uh, there, there might be a few in the... In the, in the uh, I, I won't say nothing. I'll just leave that one alone. <laughs> You're welcome to borrow a hymnal anytime you want. But yeah, that's exactly. Take the bolt at home, sing through the hymns, read over the readings. That's kind of what it's there for. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Waking, yeah. You are my own. In my life's baptismal river, I have made you mine forever. forever. Isn't that fun? Those are both Old Testament references. Psalm 121. The God of Israel neither slumber nor sleep. He will watch over you. And Isaiah 43, I have called you by name and you are mine. Right? Isn't that wonderful? And the hymn writer just smushes these things together in this beautiful verse. Yeah, it's really nice.
Okay, any, there's, oh boy, yeah, we're, we still got one more. I knew I had a couple. Yep. So all of the millions of people down through time that have not been exposed to Jesus uh -huh. Christ, baptism, yep. word. Yep. <coughs> they are, they, if you are not in Christ, you are not saved. That's what we are told, and that's what we have to believe. So the church's mission is to tell. go tell them. Go tell them. This is what Paul says. Well, let's just go look. You know, you know, John 6, whatever. Romans 10. Romans 10. I know it's just one verse, but it's, and I'm not really necessarily proof texting this, but it's just, just to show you how Paul kind of wrestles with this. Romans 10, starting at verse 12. going through 18. Romans 10 verses 12 through 18 is kind of Paul's addressing of this little issue. Kind of. Okay, Romans 10 verses 12 through 18. Verse 12 starts, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Now remember, Jew and Greek are simply everybody in the face of the earth. Because you're either a Jew or you're not. Okay, and Greek is one of the words that Paul used for non-Jewish people. So you're either Jewish or you're not. So you're either, you can either trace your blood lineage to Abraham or you can't. That's all he's saying, okay? So there's no distinction between people, basically. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Old Testament quotation, right? It's like, great. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Right? There's your question. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Another Old Testament citation. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. So here's the thing. Even if every single person hears, what are most people going to do? They're going to not obey. They're not going to listen to the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not all heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Okay, so what the church is always doing the, between the, the ascension of Jesus and the time of his return, which will be when? Thursday. Thursday. Very good. <laughs> we just don't know when Thursday is the problem. Okay, so between the, the ascension of Christ and the second coming of Christ, what is the church doing? Spreading the word. Spreading the word. Spreading the word. And if, and if there's a place that we know they need the word, what do we do? We send somebody to proclaim the word. That's what we do. Okay? And Christ will return when he wants, when the Father desires. And until then, he, doesn't, he hasn't sent Christ back yet because he's waiting for more people to repent. That's what it says in Second Peter. 
He's not slow in keeping his promises of mercy and slowness, but he's patient. Not when anyone to perish, but to all come to repentance. It gives purpose to us celebrating Christmas. Yes, because? We are showing Jesus Christ to the <coughs> Which is actually what the whole point of... What in the world happened on Epiphany? What happened at Christmas? Who worshipped Jesus on Christmas? Angels and shepherds. The shepherds were probably Jewish shepherds. What happened at Epiphany? Wise men who were not Jews come to worship Jesus. So Epiphany is the season of Gentiles receiving the revelation of God. So Epiphany is the season when the church goes, okay, we've got this great news that God has sent a Savior. His name is Jesus. What do we do with it? We tell the whole world. Is it just for Lutherans? No, we just got it better than anybody else. <laughs> it's, it's for every single person on the face of the earth. Right? Uh, pastor quoted this passage in church in, in a sermon, early service. I don't know if he will the second service or not, but 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 go like this. My dear children, I wrote these things to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who is the propitiation for our sins. Not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Right? The gospel does not belong to us. It's for the whole world. Whomever you meet today, that's a person for whom Christ has died. Yeah? Okay? So that's what we do with that, is we say, I'm not going to tell God how to run his world, but when, it, when I have the opportunity as part of the church or as an individual or whatever to tell somebody, then what do I do? I tell them. That's what I do. I don't think, well, this is my opportunity to save somebody. No, I just tell them the truth of what God has done in Christ. Right? And that's and we let God deal with the what ifs or the yeah buts. I don't know. I don't know. But I know what we're told to do and, and how it all works. Okay? Does that make sense? We just trust God that he's going to do it this way, somehow. And this is what the church has done since the ascension of Jesus. They just started going around telling people. And the Holy Spirit has worked through that to bring people to Christ. Okay, so John 6, which is, you know, in six minutes. No, that's cool. It was fun. Wasn't that fun? Any other questions, I guess, before we go? Does it? Everybody okay with the whole law thing? Ten commandments are good because they're a reflection of God's will. Yeah? Okay, good. All right, John 6. John 6, let's, let's do a little bit of this. I know we won't go through all of it. John chapter 6, the Gospel of John, fourth book of the New Testament. John chapter 6, verses 22 through 27. I'm going to read it, so let's just go. John 6, 22. 
On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Okay. So what happened is, and this is a couple weeks ago for you guys, Jesus fed 5,000 people, right? And then after that, where'd Jesus go? He went up on a mountain. And where did his disciples go? In a boat. In a boat across the sea. Well, there's a big storm. Crossing was tough. And Jesus had no boat. So what did Jesus do? He walked on water because that's what messiahs do. When you're Yahweh, you can do these things, right? So Jesus walks on the water and he gets to into the boat with the disciples and end up on the other side of the lake. Now, the people who are somewhat... We, now, this is the most confusing thing. This makes no sense in Greek at all. You can't figure out who's who or where's where. There's all kinds of other side of the sea and boats from there and boats from here and nobody has any idea what this means. So it's okay. This is basically what happened. The people realize that there was only one boat missing and they didn't see Jesus get in the boat. So apparently some people saw the disciples take off from shore without Jesus, right? So they're thinking, where's Jesus? Well, people come from the other side of the sea from Tiberias and they report that Jesus is on that side of the sea in Capernaum. And they go, how did he get here? So they get on boats and they go across the sea to Capernaum where Jesus is, because that's kind of where he's, his headquarters is these days. And they say to Jesus, how did you get here? And Jesus says to them, I walked on water. No, he doesn't. He doesn't even answer their question. What does he say? You're chasing me. You're seeking after me because, because you're full, not because you saw signs. And they say, well, isn't, aren't we full as a result of the sign? And he goes, dude, you are so messed up. You're all freaking out about your stomach. That's not what it's all about. And I say, but you fed us. And he goes, yeah, I know, but that wasn't the point. And it's not? He goes, well, it is. But it's not. Yeah, that's what's happened here. So that's, that's this little text. So number one, why are they looking for Jesus? Because they were full. Because he filled their bellies. Now here's the thing. You've got to remember this. Why did they work? Why did they get up in the morning and go to work? To put food on the table. Why do you go to work? To pay for your internet access and your cell phone and your vacation and your house. Do you get the difference? They worked for daily bread. You work for luxuries. So now here's this guy who feeds 5,000 people with Five loaves and two fishes. And they're going, wait a minute. If we're with him, we don't have to go to work anymore. Maybe just one person work. The rest, 5,000. Yeah, that's a pretty good ratio, right? So one, one every 5,000 days, you've got to go to work. 
the other 4,999 days, you can rest while he works. Because he's just going to get a couple of fish and a couple of loaves, and Jesus is going to be like, and here you go, right? No working. And they're like, this is awesome. Have you heard this before in the Gospel of John? John chapter 4, verse 15. <laughs> yeah, not that way. John chapter 4, verse 15. Um, sir, what, what are you talking about? He goes, well, if, if you ask me, I would have given you living water. She goes, really? If you give me living water, I don't come to this well anymore. This is awesome. Why don't we just do this? Why don't you just give me living water and then I don't have to come to the well anymore? See, she has just eliminated her daily work. She said, Jesus gets rid of me having to work. Instead, I can stay home and watch Netflix. And Jesus says, oh, turn off Netflix. It's not good. What does he say? You're working for the wrong reason, people. I'm not giving you food to fill your belly. I'm not giving you water to come to the water anymore. I'm not feeding you so you don't have to get up and go to work in the morning. What am I doing? I'm giving you a food that lasts for eternity. I'm talking about eternal life and death, and you're thinking, I can be lazy. This is exactly what happens to every single Lutheran at some point in their life or somebody who hears about Lutheran theology. We say, here's the good news. You're saved by grace through faith because what Christ has done, you don't do anything to earn it. And their first reaction is, great! I don't have to do any good works. I can do whatever I want. And Jesus goes, no, no, that's what I'm saving you from. Right? See, our first reaction is whenever God forgives us, what's our first reaction? Great! I can go do it some more. I didn't get in trouble that time. I'm not getting in trouble that time. So this is great. All I do is I sin as much as I can, and then on Sunday, I make sure I show up for the confession and absolution. And now we got God over a barrel, because he made promises, got to keep them. So Matt's got it all figured out. Sin is how I'm saved, so what do I do? (laughs) I sin, so I can be saved. No. See, that's always a sinner's reaction is whatever God gives us a gift, we say, great, I can use it to accomplish my purposes. And Jesus says, no. Why? Not because he's against you. Because he's actually for you. And he realizes this obsession with our bellies. This obsession with what we like and what feels good leads where? To death. To hell. And he says, I didn't come to feed your bellies. I came to give you eternal life. The sign was not about whether or not you were full that day on this hillside. It was showing you that I, as Jesus Christ, am God's promise in the flesh. And if you believe in me, you have eternal life. No matter whether your belly is full or empty, if you believe in me, you have eternal life. So your reaction to that is not, oh good, let me counsel my belly some more. No. Come to the Son of Man and you have eternal life. Okay? Does that make sense? Quick question. we got a couple seconds and we'll go.
All right, let's pray, and then we'll go. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful because you have done it all for us and our Savior, Jesus. And that's why we rejoice at Christmas and every day. So teach us to live, not according to our will or to desire our, the desires of our flesh, but to live according to your will. For it is a will that wells up into eternal life. Lord, keep us steadfast in our faith that we might rejoice with all of your saints when Christ returns. And so we pray with the church of all time. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all.